for our scripture reading today, we'll turn to three short passages. First, Genesis 3, as we continue looking at the first temptation. Genesis 3, we'll read only the first six verses. And then secondly, we'll turn to Matthew 4, and after that to 1 John chapter 2. So first, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And if we turn to Matthew chapter 4, we read the account, the first few verses of when the Lord Jesus was also tempted by the devil. We read only the first four verses. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we'll turn to one more scripture in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, reading the first six verses, and then from verse 15 to 17. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. And then turning, going to verse 15, where John says, Do not love the world 
or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Dear congregation, today we have the third sermon on the first temptation where Satan tempted Eve. And our focus today will be on verse 6, or part of verse 6. Verse 6 in Genesis 3 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. After Satan had planted doubts into the woman's mind about God and about his word as to why she was not permitted to eat of the forbidden fruit, she is now tempted further with the attractiveness of the fruit to convince her why she should eat it. And that's what this, show, this verse 6 begins to show. But we notice that it does not say that this woman was convinced that she should disobey God. Because that's not how the temptation is framed. But the temptation is disguised. It turns her away from the truth so that she begins to believe the lie. First, she had allowed those, those seeds of doubt to grow into unbelief about God in her mind. She allowed the lies of Satan to cover God's word. And now once God is, is hidden, God is pushed to the background, you could say, now the creation is pushed to the foreground to replace God. If you're walking down the sidewalk here and you walk past DQ's, DQ and the, the children see those nice posters with the ice cream on it and they say, Dad, can we have an ice cream? And you say, no. And they say, why not? So you give the reasons. Well, it's almost supper time. You don't need one. And I said, no. But the ice cream itself is not bad. But the children are so focused on the ice cream and on the picture and how good it might taste, that all they can think of and all they can say is, why can't I have it? Because they think that they cannot be satisfied and happy unless they have that ice cream. And so we also can be tempted to ask, why may I not have this or do that? And the reason that we begin with that question is because our eyes have been taken off of God and off of His Word, and we think we cannot be satisfied until we have what we want. In the last sermon, we considered how the woman believed that lie about God. And now her eyes had been taken off of God. 
had been taken off of God and off His Word as the source of all her life and all her satisfaction, and her eyes are now being drawn to and fixed on the creation, specifically this one tree, as her new source of life and satisfaction. And so in our life, our eyes are taken off of God, put on our circumstance, and fixed on whatever it is that you believe you lack. See, Adam and Eve were created with their focus fixed on God. That was their default setting. God was their life, their satisfaction, their joy, their everything. But after the fall, our default now is set away from God. And that is what we need to realize. Our eyes, by default, are set on this creation as our only source of satisfaction in life. And that's why we begin with asking the question, what's wrong with that? Why, can't I not, why can I not have that? Because the only thing we see is what we think that we can receive from the creation. So when God is removed, something else seeks to replace Him. And temptation always seeks to draw our desires away from God and toward the created object. Eve had doubts about God now, no longer trusted His Word completely. But now for the woman to eat of this forbidden fruit, Satan tempts her to place her trust in that source, in another source for her satisfaction. Romans 1 verse 21 says something similar. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. And verse 25 says, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. That's what Eve did, and that's what we do by nature. And so verse 6 here shows the three ways in which Eve was tempted to place her trust now in this forbidden fruit, in something else than God. And first, her attention was drawn by a physical desire, the appetite. She saw that the food was good. Secondly, she, there was a, material, a desire for material possessions, a physical beauty. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And third, the pride rose up. She thought she saw what she thought she could get from it, and that it was desirable to make one wise. And it is these three aspects that John warns about that we read in 1 John 2, verse 16, where it says, Do not love the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of God. The world. And so today we will consider only the first of these three that it was good for food. And for a theme, we just have the first temptation, the third part, and we consider especially the craving or the, as John puts it, the lust of the flesh. So, first we can ask, well, what is it? What is this craving? What is the lust of the flesh? The first thing that verse 6 mentions is that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And so, 
even though Eve began without sin, this speaks of a craving of a sinful heart, the sinful craving, the coveting, craving something that is either forbidden or craving something, in a, giving into some form of overindulgence of something even if it's good, or craving something that is evil in itself. So if we look at Eve first, she, she desires something, she craves something that she does not need. In Genesis 2, verse 9, it says that God created all the trees in the garden good for food. Every tree in the garden was good and appealing. And, but verse 6 says Eve saw the tree, the one forbidden tree. There was no reason for her to covet this one tree. She had no hunger. And if she was, she had all the other trees which were equally as appealing and so it almost seems strange that she would gravitate toward as one. And so why do we? Why is it that we always want more and more and more when we already have so much and we're surrounded with more than enough? See, it's not that this fruit itself was bad. God created everything good. It's not necessarily because the objects that we crave are bad but it's a craving when we do not need it. Our hearts are set on the world to satisfy us, to get more and more, is what it is now in our sinful hearts. And so Eve really had no excuse, and neither do we. But secondly and mainly, Eve craves something here that she was not permitted to have. This was the forbidden tree. This is the one that God said, you shall not eat from it. But she saw in this tree the gratification of her craving. She had been convinced that God was hindering her from obtaining it. She had a desire and her eyes were focused on this tree and she seemed to have forgotten about all the other trees. And so temptation causes and focuses our attention on that one object in which you see something attractive or appealing. It doesn't really matter what that object is. It changes throughout all your life. If you notice, in different days, different seasons of your life, you have different cravings for different things. It could be a good object or a bad object. But the temptation advertises it as the source of your only happiness and satisfaction. And that's part of the reason why they make posters so nice and big and, and they make the ice cream look so good. They, they want you to think that you cannot pass by without getting it. Even though having an ice cream is not bad. But they, they appeal to your cravings. They want you to think that you cannot live without it. And we were created with an appetite. An appetite for food. That includes a desire for food, but also the desire for marriage for companionship. Adam had a desire for a companion comparable to him. He could not find it in the animal kingdom, but he found it when God brought Eve. They were created with the desire and the ability to enjoy the nature, to enjoy the beauty that God had created. He made everything pleasant and beautiful. But when Adam sinned, that appetite has been corrupted, 
And now we do not have the proper boundaries and limits. Now we're prone to sin, prone to sins of gluttony or impurity or covetousness. So craving more than we need or craving the things that are forbidden. And so that includes everything that we would seek to please our body or mind apart from God. Seeking the creation itself as the source of our only satisfaction. The object replaces God, whatever that may be. And so Eve's eyes have been taken off of God and drawn to this object. It doesn't really matter what kind of tree it was, what kind of fruit it was, but it represents everything that seeks to draw our source of life and satisfaction away from God. Some examples from Scripture. In Exodus 16, Israel had been traveling through the wilderness now for about a month and a half after leaving Egypt. And then it says that the whole congregation of Israel complained to Moses because they lacked food. The whole congregation, the whole human race is fallen into sin, is depraved and corrupt. Eve had no lack. She had no hunger when she craved this forbidden fruit. But as a consequence of their disobedience, Israel now felt very, in a very real way their need and their hunger in the desert when they had no food. But they sinned because they craved for the food of Egypt instead of seeking God as their source. Even though God had delivered them from slavery, they now believed that God was not being good to them not able to provide for them in the desert. They could, they could see no food here in the desert where God had led them. They remembered all the food they had in Egypt. And they th- thought they could not be satisfied unless they went back there and got the food from Egypt. So they sinned in unbelief. And like Eve, their eyes had been taken off of God and focused on what they saw as the only solution to satisfy their need. And even though they had been slaves in Egypt, they only remembered the pleasures, the benefits that they had there, even though they were slaves. Isn't it so that in our lives we crave the very things that enslave us? But God would demonstrate that He is the only source of all our needs, physical, spiritual. And God provided for the Israelites by raining down manna from heaven, giving them heavenly bread, angels' food, to demonstrate that He is the source of life, that He can supply all their needs, even in the middle of the desert. And so craving even for the necessary things of this life Apart from God is sin. Unbelief, not trusting in God alone to supply our every need. It's looking to the creation instead of to the Creator. And that is why it's also so important that we always pray for our food, to thank God for His provision, to ask Him to provide for us, to depend on Him in all things, because this is the means that He uses to sustain his people. But there is an example in Scripture of a sinful craving for food. 
But there's another example, and this one of a sinful sexual craving. In 2 Samuel 13, David's son Amnon saw his half-sister, Tamar, and he desired to have her, but he could not because she was his sister. It says that he was so distressed that he became sick. He was laid up in bed because he was sick. He sinfully craved and desired to have someone as his wife who is not permitted. He did not trust in God, but looked to the creation. And he did not think he could be satisfied any other way. And this led him to sin. He raped her. And when he had done so, after he violated her, his desires turned to hatred. And he cast her out and had nothing, wanted nothing to do with her again. When we give in to our cravings and use especially other people to satisfy your desires, it turns to hatred, to despising. And that is because sexual temptations are disguised as love. Every temptation comes in a disguise we discussed earlier. It is disguised in love, but it is hatred at the root, selfishness. Because true love, as John said, is keeping God's commandments. Nowadays, many people ask, well, what's wrong with it? If the people agree, or what's wrong with it? And the reason we ask that question is because we are born with our sights taken off God, our Creator, and His design and purpose for our lives. The focus is on the creature, on the object, as our only source of satisfaction. And so every form of immorality, especially among the young people in our society, premarital immorality is destructive, damaging to our society. We see it in the gender confusion of our day now, people seeking for personal satisfaction apart from God, trying to change even how God has made them, how God has created them, seeking for answers in creation apart from God. But for us, this also includes craving anything that is contrary to God's law, craving anything excessively, anything that becomes an idol. An idol is anything that seeks to replace God. The fruit replaced God as the source of Eve's satisfaction. So what do we see in our life as the source of our happiness or satisfaction apart from God? It, it could be so many different things. The finances, it could be your vacations, it could be desire for food or drink in, in excess or craving something that's harmful to our body, especially. And you can all think of your own lives and your own examples, and these are fine lines to draw because it's a matter of the heart, not necessarily of the object. The fruit that Eve craved was good, but she was not permitted to have it. And so we need to test ourselves first by the Word of God. But if what we desire is good, 
and it is in accordance with the Word of God, we also need to examine ourselves how we crave it and why. See, marriage is honorable in all, the Bible says. But can we also submit to His will if things go differently than what we desire? Holidays are nice, but can we submit to God if our plans are canceled? And how do we react if we think we might not get what we want? Do we, do we, do we become overly anxious? Do we become obsessed by it? Do we begin to complain like Israel? Or do we turn to God? Do we neglect even our soul in the pursuit of our desires? Because even it is human desire for sleep that can interfere with our prayer life. Because we overemphasize the one. Or can we, by God's grace, put God first and leave everything else in His hands? Can we submit to His will as the Lord Jesus Christ did, even if it goes directly against our own desires? We don't have to dig too deep to see that we're all guilty of sinning with the lusts of the flesh because we've been born with a default setting to crave the things of this world as our source of satisfaction. And this is now where we need to turn to see how the Lord Jesus Christ faced these temptations. Because he came to face the same temptations as Eve. Both were tempted to deny God. Both were tempted in a way by food. But we also quickly see that the Lord Jesus was tempted in a, in a much more extreme, much more severe way. There, there is also a contrast between the two. We see how the temptation came to Eve quietly, discreetly in, in, in paradise, where the Satan came disguised and hid in the tree, while Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted, and Satan came to him openly, never even tried to disguise himself, and he came against him with all his force. Paradise was a tranquil setting. There was no sin. All the animals were under their dominion. But Jesus was in the wilderness with the wild beasts, it says, in an uninhabitable, undesirable place in a sin-cursed world. Eve surrounded by trees, all of which she could eat from, all good for food, while Christ was in the wilderness with no food, no shade, no shelter, where he fasted for 40 days. And this is where and when Satan comes to him and shows him the unappealing rocks in the desert and tempts Jesus when he is so hungry to make him turn those stones into bread so that he can satisfy his fleshly appetites. In Matthew 4, verse 3, we read where Satan said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So we see Satan comes with the same approach and tries to raise doubt about God in his, his father and his mind. Are you really the Son of God? 
A chapter before, God had said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. See, Satan brought doubt into Eve's mind if she was really the child of God. And so he said, You will be like God if you eat this fruit. But she was already the child of God. She was already created in His image. They were already God's beloved children. Luke 3, verse 38 says, Adam was the son of God. And Satan still uses that same trick today to make you doubt, to make believers doubt if they are really the children of God, if you are the son of God. How he tries to make them doubt of their standing before God because of their lack or because of their circumstances, because of their troubles. And they say, if you are the Son of God, why is this happening to you? And He wants you to doubt God. But here we see how Christ remained faithful, how He stood in the place where His people so often waver and doubt. And then Satan tries to raise doubt about God's ability to provide for Christ. He says, if God allows you to starve in the wilderness for 40 days, are you not better off than going to Egypt or finding your own way? He tempts Christ to try to get him to crave for food because Christ was hungry. He had a genuine need for the body. And so Satan proposes a way here that Christ could alleviate his hunger, his suffering. He says, do it yourself. If you are the Son of God, you should be able to alleviate your suffering yourself. You should not have to go hungry. So make even those stones turn into bread and you can eat. So why was Satan tempting Christ this way? He wanted Christ to disobey his Father. He wanted Christ to disobey God. Eve was tempted with a tree that was good for food when she had no lack. Christ was tempted to disobey God when he was under extreme circumstances in great lack. Tempted to distrust God and being able to provide for him. Tempted to be discontent like the Israelites were in the wilderness when they hungered. Tempted because he said, as the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, you even lack daily bread. Can he not provide for you? So whatever our temptation is, it always aims at making you disobey God. Remember that. But Christ was driven into the wilderness to be tempted so that he could obey. He could not choose to satisfy the appetites of his flesh in any other way than what God himself would provide for him. And Christ had no sin, no sinful cravings. And so Christ resisted the temptation to satisfy the physical desires of his humanity even when he was in great distress. And even though he had the power as the Son of God to attain it, we don't have that power, even to satisfy our daily needs, especially not to satisfy the needs of our heart. 
But this shows us, this shows us that the Lord Jesus Christ came not for his own sake, but that he came in the place of sinners as the great substitute for sinners. He came to undo that sin that Adam committed, to undo the sin that we have committed, to restore fallen humanity to God, and to turn our eyes from off of this creation to the living God as our source of who Paul says in him, who we, who, in him we live and move and have our being. And whoever says that Christ was just an ordinary human being, who lived just as a good example that we need to follow, has no understanding of what Christ did when he was tempted here. Christ never took his eyes off his Father and off his Father's will and said, I delight to do thy will. Satan tempted Christ to find a shortcut to get what his Father would eventually provide. But Christ resisted in the same way that we must resist and by quoting his word. And he quoted a passage from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And in that passage, Moses is reminding the children, of God, the children of Israel of God's care for them all those years in the desert, those 40 years in the wilderness. And there God said to Israel, that he, or Moses said that God humbled them, that God allowed them to hunger. And then he fed them with manna, with a special provision from heaven. Why? Well, he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 8, to make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We need more than just daily bread. But God supplies our daily bread to show that he also supplies us with eternal life, that spiritual bread. See, Satan and all the temptations make us think that all we need for life, for health, for happiness can be found in this world and in this creation. But Jesus said it's not the bread of this world, but the creator of this world who is the source of your life and your satisfaction. And he gives that often through the means for, of the body but he gives it through his word, especially. And he allows us to hunger. He allows us to endure sickness, poverty, and trials, and times of spiritual darkness, so that he can feed us with his heavenly manna when we know we have nothing left to feed ourselves. And therefore, when we see Christ standing in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. We need to see him standing there in our place. Because when we craved, when our sinful hearts burned with lust for the pleasure and the satisfaction of this world, when we pursued sin to the full, going against God's word and against every advice, when we give in to the temptations of sin, it was Christ who stood there and endured the bitter temptations of Satan 
And he would not go against his father's will. He would not cave to the temptations. When we cave to the temptations to fill our bellies and our houses with more, to the bursting with more than we need, because, our, because we can, because our eyes are fixed on this world, Christ stood there with the burning pain of hunger and lack and said, man shall not live by bread alone. And when we turn to the world for the fulfillment of our fleshly desires and we neglected God and our own souls, and even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, Christ stood. And by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, We always enter temptation because we think we will gain something from it. But we see Christ resisting every temptation so that He could go to the cross, so He can humble Himself even more and go to that cross as that lamb without spot and without blemish so that He could pay for the sins of his people, so that now there is forgiveness for those who confess their sins of the lust of the flesh. When he stood there and resisted all temptation, and when he obeyed his Father perfectly, it was so that he could impute his own righteousness to those of us who are defiled by the sins of the flesh to cover our transgressions in the sight of His Father's holy eyes, to blot out our iniquities so that we can again be adopted as sons and daughters of God Almighty. When He resisted a tempter, it is so that He could pour out His Holy Spirit upon this world and upon your hearts to turn your eyes from this world and from this creation to the living God to satisfy your longing hearts and souls with His eternal provision so that He can equip you with His Holy Spirit so that you can begin to crucify the lusts of your flesh so that you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not make provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So that you can learn to say with Paul, for me to live is Christ. And not the good food that I see in this world. <clears throat> so when we see the fruit of this world, when it looks so good, so desirable, and we think we cannot live without it. Remember what Christ said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord.